and Apex Lab Podcast. Hey there, welcome to the Level Up Engineering Podcast, where we speak to the most experienced technology leaders from around the world. So stay with us to learn actionable management insights to take your engineering team to the next level. This show is powered by Apex Lab, a team of experts in end-to-end digital product development. ApexLab.io I am so happy to welcome Dylan Hensen here with me. Welcome, Dylan. I am so happy to have you here. You are Senior Director for, and let me get this, Engineering Enablement and Engagement at Salesforce, which sounds like a pretty awesome, exciting role. So we will hopefully hear a bit more about it from you. Before we start with today's topic, please tell us a bit about who you are and what you do and what your passions are. Sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. I, as you mentioned, the Senior Director of Engineering Enablement and Engagement at Salesforce. I've been with Salesforce for almost nine years now and seeing the company, particularly the technology organization, grow and scale significantly in that time. The role that I have right now is new for me. I changed roles uh, about May this year, and I focus on a number of internal and external facing aspects within our technology organization. Part of my team is responsible for our technical learning strategy internally. So which courses, which online learning software, which instructor-led training do we need to fund and support the growth of our internal engineering group at uh, Salesforce, which is north of 10,000 employees. So it's a significant um, employee base at Salesforce. Uh, So that's one of my responsibilities. I have folks in my team that run our open source uh, program office at Salesforce. So thinking about how we utilize open source software internally, as well as prioritize creating open source software that can be consumed by other companies that we build in-house. One of the functions that's in my organization is engineering marketing and branding. So our engineering website, which is engineering.salesforce.com, as well as our Twitter accounts, our social accounts. So how can we share some of the amazing work that we do in our technical teams at Salesforce outwards to build that brand, hopefully bring some new folks into our organization. And the last function that's part of my organization is focused around uh, architecture best practices and architecture enablement. So what can we be doing to really support the more senior technical leaders uh, within our organization and help them be successful? And a lot of that work involves us working with the office of the CTO at Salesforce, uh, which is very cool. So Parker Harris is one of our co-founders. He now has a CTO role at Salesforce. Uh, Very fun to be able to get some time with him as well. Prior to this role, I spent about four years at Salesforce uh, leading the engineering team that built what's called the education cloud. So taking Salesforce technology and getting in the hands of higher ed and K-12 schools to utilize Salesforce to track their student data and their student experience. So it's a really rewarding experience. Um, Outside of work, I'm big into fitness. Uh, I'm big into sports, not so much playing them as much, but watching them. So being Canadian, I'm based in Vancouver, BC, Canada. I'm a big hockey fan. I'm also a big baseball and football fan. And when I'm not doing any of that, the highest priority is my family. I have two young boys, uh, both five and three, and they keep me very busy when, when I'm not at work. So living a pretty busy life these days, but it's a ton of fun. How oh, awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you for, for sharing that with uh, all of our listeners. And um, it's really important to know that you have a couple kids and and all of that for everyone, I feel, because for the past almost two years, we've all been kind of working from home and getting our feet wet in sharing our private lives with some of our coworkers sometimes. 
sometimes not wanting to share it and other times sharing it purposefully. Um, and today's topic is work-life balance. I think that it is sometimes thought of as like just a bone, like everybody already knows everything about work-life balance. But then I think it's really hard to to kind of pinpoint it down, how it really works and what you actually need for yourself from it. So today we will explore this topic. But first of all, let's get let's get our definition straight. What do you define as work-life balance? What's your what's your kind of stance? Sure. And the term work-life balance has, I think, been used and probably overused in our industry. I've heard work-life balance used in a number of forums. I've also used, I've heard the term work-life integration used a bunch, which kind of scares the crap out of me because it's like, how do your lives kind of come together? Which personally I've gone through, I've gone through a mindset of how to integrate my work life and my personal life. The term that I've started to use more is this term called work-life awareness. So it's really being mindful and being aware of how your work and your personal life overlap, integrate, and when they need to separate, right? And having that awareness is a really hard skill to build, particularly when you're working in a fast-paced industry like the technology industry. If you are a senior leader, whether it is a senior manager or a senior technical leader, you're in a very demanding role that could encompass basically your whole life. And so building up that awareness is super important for you to have your own focus, your own kind of perspective on how you live your life and how you carry yourself, both in your personal life and your work life. And the benefit, I think, there is that it, it can cascade to the rest of your teams and your organization as well when you prioritize that. Right. And it sounds like uh, work-life balance or work-life awareness, as you said, is um, part of the, the job that you have right now. Uh, maybe this awareness is something that you have to promote or or perhaps bring to light to some of us. What um, or how did you come in contact with this um, with this whole concept of work life balance? I mean, as most of our listeners probably have heard the term and they have gotten in contact with it, but maybe they are not as passionate about it. So if you could share a bit of your story. Sure. Yeah. Um... A lot of it started when um, my second child was born. He's three now. Um, and at the time I had one child and I was working at Salesforce and I was living a pretty busy life. But my primary focus was work at the time. You know, when I started at Salesforce uh, in 2013, I had no children. I wasn't married. I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't have a lot of ties in my life. So I could really invest a lot of my personal self into my work and really spend a lot of time uh, marinating myself in my work. And it was a great experience. It was a ton of fun. And as I became a father and I got more responsibility in my personal life, I started feeling the tug or the pull between both of them, right? How much time do I spend maybe in the evenings catching up on my emails and my Slack messages versus how much do I close the laptop and focus on some quality time with my wife, my partner, right? And then as the kids came along, that really started to pull back and forth more and more. And I really started to feel that stretch. I had a bit of an epiphany when my second son was born, when I quickly realized that um, uh, it's really important for me to focus on my mental health and my physical health for the longevity of myself and my career to support my family, right? Um, right now, I'm, I'm kind of the, the, the primary income earner in my, in my family. And, and as, as part of that responsibility, I, I took a step back and said, hey, like if, 
if I want to continue to work in this industry and make a living in this industry, I need to do some things now to kind of right my ship from a mental standpoint to make sure that I can have a long trajectory working in technology, right? Um, and again, it wasn't really until I had my second child where I think the demands really increased. Having one child obviously is very demanding, but when my second son was born, um, it's even more demanding. So it really required me to kind of take a step back. The other thing I did uh, in the summer of 2020, kind of as the pandemic was, you know, starting to kind of roll out and be a real thing, uh, I took a six-week sabbatical from my role. I didn't look at any work email. I didn't touch my work laptop for six weeks. I took basically a summer off and spent a lot of time doing some self-reflection and focusing on myself and focusing on what I needed to do, be, do to be successful for the next 10 years of my career. Um, and that was a great opportunity. And I'm thankful for my employer to give me, you know, the six week sabbatical or time off to step away, realign on my priorities, and then kind of head into the fall of last year and try some new things that are really going to promote that work-life awareness and give me the space and the context back to be a, a really successful technology leader, be a really successful partner, and be a really successful father as well. How awesome is that? First of all, thank you for sharing that. What you said really made me think about myself, which I guess happens to everyone. After my dad died, I took a one month sabbatical as well. And, you know, a completely different situation when new life begins or when one ends. But um, I really took it as an opportunity to kind of withdraw myself from really all my social engagements, all of my work and, and really all of my like online presence. And, um, I am just wondering if you could share a little bit about what your sabbatical looked like. And also if you had like some sort of a vision when you started or a goal in mind, or was it the complete opposite of having no goal just to enjoy your time? Yeah. Great question. Um, I've actually blogged a bit about this on my personal blog, and I can share the info at the end of the episode if folks want to go and take a look. I have a, a leader that I follow that I worked with at, at Salesforce for a couple of years. She's a great, amazing leader. Her name's Cheryl Poro. Um, she is someone that I've looked up to as a mentor in my technology career. And she's someone that I talked to a little bit about this because she took a sabbatical a couple of years ago from her role, and I wanted to get an understanding of how she approached it. Right, And, and some of the feedback I recall getting from her is it's almost like a pendulum that you have to look at from a time and effort standpoint with a t uh, with an extended leave like that. If you plan too much and you want to do too much, whether it is fun things, professional development, spending time with the family, personal stuff, to put too much structure around that, you're gonna just kind of burn yourself out in your sabbatical because you're putting too much onus on really kind of focusing on making that time successful, right? On the other side, if you don't plan enough, your sabbatical is going to go by so quickly and you're not going to feel like you ever accomplished anything, right? So as I approached that sabbatical and took that time away, I burnt myself out in the first two weeks. I was doing a bunch of house projects. I was doing some online courses. I took a really fun course on Coursera called The Science of Happiness by Dr. Lori Santos. I'd recommend if anybody wants to take a, a happiness course, that's a great one to take. So I was doing a lot of things within my day to check things off the, the list or check the box to make sure I was achieving things during my sabbatical. And after two weeks, I said, wow, I've got a lot done. I'm exhausted, right? So for the final kind of four weeks of my sabbatical and my six week sabbatical, I was much more mindful of saying, okay, do I really need to focus on this? Is this something that I can do now? Or is this something I could fit into my schedule when I eventually do go back to work? And again, because it was during the summer and because my kids were at a school at the time, 
I really then started to focus more on my family, right? So we took a couple of trips, um, which was hard to do, obviously, at the beginning of the pandemic, but we did it in a safe manner, right? Um, but because we were kind of on lockdown and a lot of us had to kind of stay close with our families, it was an amazing time to just really connect with my kids and really connect with my partner, right? So um, I, I tell people when they go to head into a, a sabbatical or an extended time, time off like this, don't go into a cold, spend some time at the outset planning, but take your list and probably cut it in half, right? The analogy that I've told people is if you ever go backpacking, right? If you're ever going on a backpacking trip, you back, you pack your backpack once, two days before, and then the next day you take out half the stuff because you probably don't need it. You don't want to be carrying that much stuff around. And what I've told people going into sabbatical is, is or time away is plan a list, look at it, and then maybe a, a week later, cut it in half and have your line of the stuff you want to do and then have some nice to have so that you can really nail down the stuff that you want to do. And then if you have time to get to the nice to haves, you have some time to do that, but also make sure you give yourself a lot of free time. Awesome. Thank you so much for, for sharing those tips. I hope that our listeners can take away what they might. Um, with that said, if we go in, uh, in a timely manner, you went on the sabbatical and then you came back to work and I am wondering, in your opinion, what constitutes a good work-life balance or how is a beneficial work-life awareness sure. um, defined? Sure. Yeah. Uh, there is no one answer for this because it's extremely individual and it's an experience for everyone in this industry to kind of manage. Um, having said that, um, being deliberate about it as a starting point is my first suggestion. It's you, you need to kind of put a stake in the ground that says, I, I'm going to do something about this, right? And I'm going to commit to myself that I want to take an assessment of work-life balance and the time that I'm spending between my work and my life and perhaps make some changes. Maybe not, but at least taking the time to understand where that balance is right now and again building up that awareness in your life so taking stock of your personal calendars taking stock of your work calendar your commitments the things that you're doing to fill your bucket outside of work right just taking that whole assessment of of where you stand is an important activity to do and it's something that i personally do every six to 12 months is just you know stepping back and understanding hey am i focusing my energy in the right areas that are going to meet my goals so one, it's, it's making sure that you're taking that time to step back and think about it. And then two, once you kind of have an understanding of where your time lies, and where your efforts lie, what can change and what can't change, right? So the things that can change, how do you go about changing those, right? Maybe it is one or two less meetings during the day or a work commitment that you can drop, or maybe it's a, it's a hobby that you're kind of just moving along but not having a bunch of fun with, right? Um, and then on the work side of it, if it's something that can't drop and it's a need, well, are you the right person to be doing it? Can you delegate it out? Can you find someone else to pick up that work on your team or find a way to contract it out or find other support, right? So finding ways to kind of balance that is important. So getting that, that awareness, doing that inventory, thinking about small things you can do to kind of start that process is, is key. One area that I focus on with regards to my work-life awareness or, or understanding kind of those boundaries is having the opportunity to set boundaries within your life, whether it is with professional or personal, whether it is with your work or with your friends and your family, having some structure and some boundaries around those, but also realizing that they are going to flex, right? Uh, a great example, when I came back from my sabbatical, one of the things that I told myself was, 
not going to check any work email before, say, 7 in the morning, and I'm not going to check any work email or do any work after, say, 5.30 p.m. every day, right? I'm going to have these guardrails. This is going to be my work time, and when I'm, when I'm done for the day, I'm done for the day, and I shut it down, and I pick it up the next day. Uh, as I started that, I gave myself a lot of anxiety. I find myself at, like, 5 o'clock with, like, 10 things on my to-do list, and, like, you know what, like I'm in the flow, I'm in the zone. If I just go to six o'clock, I could probably bang all of these out, but then I'm 30 minutes beyond my stop time. Am I cheating myself, right? And I started going through this mental gymnastics of what I should do, right? And as I started going through that little, a little bit more, what I realized is the boundaries are great to have, but you have to be able to flex them, right? You have to be able to flex that half hour on each end every now and again, right? You have to be able to make yourself available for a late night call for a fire or an incident or making sure that you're available, right? You have to be able to have boundaries that are flexible enough that once in a while you can do those things and making sure that you have the, the awareness that when those things do happen, you're aware if it's a one-time thing, if it's a common occurrence, or if it's something that's happening almost every day or every week, right? Because if it's happening regularly, that should be a, a signal for you to pause and reassess your boundaries and understand why this boundary is being flexed. Versus if it's like, yeah, you know what, once a month I've got to do this, I've got to, you know, do a late night call with someone in a different time zone or, you know, a couple of times a week something happens, but I'm okay with that and I'm aware of it, then maybe that's okay for you in your in your structure of your life, in your work-life awareness, in your work-life balance, right? So again, building that awareness is super important having your boundaries, have them be structured, but keeping them loose and realizing when they're starting to bend too much is a great opportunity for you to reassess those boundaries. Thank you so much. With that said, I feel like one of the things that I learn of new managers, perhaps sometimes, but something that I, that I am getting quite accustomed to seeing on engineers is that perhaps life is too often black and white for them. And mm -hmm. so my question to you is, what are the challenges that new engineering managers face when it comes to work-life balance and establishing its importance in the team? Yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned that, right? Because we work in software and software can be, you know, on and off black and white, like you said, right? And humans and life isn't like that, right? And so I think when you're trained to be an engineer, going through school and picking up this as a career, your mindset is around bits and bytes and ones and zeros and you know the binary nature of software. And then when the human aspect of it picks up throughout your career, you start to realize that isn't always the case, right? And that's something that I find you just have to learn, right? You can't just pick that up in school. You can't pick that up as a new engineer. You kind of have to go through it. And it's just part of growth within this industry. Right? Um, for new engineering leaders, I often find that when they move into a, an engineering leadership role, because one, they're probably not the greatest at delegation. They haven't built that skill up because they likely have an interest in a need to continue to be hands-on, right? And continue to write code and continue to develop when they should start peeling back from that. And then they, you know, they need to put work in to build trust with their team. That it's just a lot of stuff that starts happening early on in, in that transition and your days start to balloon, right? And if you're really passionate about it, you think about it, right? You, it's kind of hard to turn it off at at night when you're like, oh, there's so much I could be doing and I have a new employee that I want to earn trust with. And I, you know, I, I kind of want to write some code, but I know I shouldn't, but I know I can solve this problem, but how do I get it done through someone on my team, right? So there's such a vast array of ideas and thoughts and 
work happening at that time that it's very easy for your days to get long, for you to kind of get lost in the minutia, right? So part of me, again, feels like you kind of have to go through that to kind of figure it out. Because if you don't go through it, you will personally know how you react to it. But on the flip side too, I think for new engineering leaders that are going through it, it would be best for their leaders and the folks who are supporting them up to talk them through the fact like, hey, guess what? You're probably gonna experience this. It's okay. There are gonna be days when you're totally burnt out and that's okay. What you need to do is find ways to combat that and find ways to augment that with days where you're not feeling totally burnt out, right? So giving a new engineering leader some grace to say that this is the start of a long journey for you and not a six month thing that you're gonna focus on and then move back to writing code, right? So realize that it's a long journey, realize that it's gonna take time, realize that there's gonna be ups and downs, you're gonna burn yourself out a little bit, but you need to be aware of that and have leaders and, and coaches and mentors that are aware of it too, that can guide you to say, hey, maybe you need to step back a little bit on this, right? Or provide you feedback and coaching and say like, you might be taking too much on here when you need to pull back. And then as you start to realize that your leaders are helping you with that, you start to instinctively build up the skills yourself to do it. And again, like you can't do that overnight, that takes time. I've been at it for 20 years in this industry. I'm still figuring it out, but it's something you just get better at over time because you kind of feel the pain of it and feel the, the challenges of it. And then you start building up that skill to kind of have that balance as, as an engineering leader. Awesome. Thank you for saying that. And also, I want to make a note that if you are a new manager and you are struggling to figure it out, just remember, you might struggle when you have learned a lot too. I am saying that because I, I've been working in IT for, for over six years. And just last night, I stayed up until like 3.20 in the morning, just thinking about some communication issue that I, I've had with the team. And I was, you know, laying there, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to write down what is on my mind, really, so that maybe I can download it from my brain and actually fall asleep. And... I woke up in the morning, of course, it was a, a hard awakening because I didn't sleep very much, but I thought, gosh, I can't remember when the last time was when I got so worked up about work that I couldn't fall asleep. So with that said, be like forgiving to yourself so that even when you feel like, you know, you got this, it might still come back in some form that you you overwork yourself or you or you take on too many responsibilities. Yeah. Um, just to, just to comment, yeah, on, comment on that too. Um, when I think about awareness, right, kudos to you for having the mindset to say, I need to download this from my brain and get it written down so I can get back to sleep, right? I think it's a great idea for all of us to have a notepad beside your bed or somewhere where you can go and write something down and then get back to it too. Um, but then second, and because I've been through this a lot, um, you know, late nights thinking about work, thinking about the, the awareness piece, how cool is it that you get to be in a role where you're so passionate about what you want to do and what you do that your brain is like constantly thinking about it, right? And, and, right. and it, I think it's something that we often take for granted that like, yeah, that's hard and that's a tough thing to deal with. But on the flip side, you could be in a role that you kind of don't really care about that much, right? And you're not passionate about and you're just kind of going through the motions. And 
while that might be good for some people, for I know a lot of people in the tech industry, we're here because we're passionate about the work we do and the things that we do. And so, yeah, you know what? Your brain going off at two in the morning with a crazy idea might be disruptive, but gosh, it sure is cool to be able to have that as an opportunity that you can then kind of chase down and, and explore as part of your role, right? Right. And thank you for pointing that out, because sometimes I, I tend to forget and take things very seriously, <laughs> even though it's a big playground for us. I mean, life is a big playground. I think it's like a nice mindset to be in. Awesome. With that said, we are on engineering managers and their challenges when it comes to work-life balance. I am just aching to talk about this because we have had like a very usual working setup for a long time. And then in the past two years, we've had a completely new experience that kind of the whole world had it together. How nice is that? And within the pandemic, what were some of the of the challenges for you or, or some of the challenges that you have seen in the in the in the people around you when it comes to working for from home? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the standard stuff that folks have talked about, right? Like I'm, I'm privileged to at least have a room that I could have gone into um, and work from. And, you know, not always have my kids banging on the door, although they, they know where I am now, so they can find me, but at least I can lock a door. But not everybody has that benefit, right? I feel for the folks who are on the kitchen table with the kids screaming, or, you know, you're in a 400 square foot condo in like downtown Vancouver, and, you know, you're working with a partner on the other side of the table, and you're both on calls, right? So, you know, it's a lot of the, the, the same stuff that, you know, I think a lot of folks have been talking about as we as this pandemic has kind of dragged on. Um, for me, and I think for a lot of folks now, it was it was kind of end of last year when we started to start thinking about, okay, light at the end of the tunnel, vaccines, turning the corner in 2021. We're still a little bit away from that, right? But we do see that there's progress being made. I think that was a moment in time for a lot of people in our industry to then start to think a little bit more about, you know, some of the topics we're talking about, right? And I know it was for me. And I think if if folks didn't use this experience as a reset point or an opportunity to kind of rethink about how they work and what are the priorities in their life, quite frankly, I think that's a missed opportunity for them, right? My hope, knock on wood, that this is the only pandemic that we deal with in our lifetime. But because, like you said, it's kind of an even playing field and it kind of leveled everyone. I don't think you're going to have other experiences like this in someone's individual life that's going to give them an opportunity to kind of stop and reassess how they're working and how they're carrying their life, right? So it's not too late, obviously, right? Like, and it doesn't need a, a world-changing pandemic for you to have that, but it does take time, <laughs> right? And I think the pandemic has afforded folks time, reflective time to be able to sit back, to kind of get out of the hamster wheel that is their commute and their job and the nine to five or nine to six or 10 to 10 or whatever it is that you work. Um, but that time is super important, right? So I think it's important for engineering leaders, tech, all levels of, of employees at a, at a company to think a little bit about taking that time and have a conversation with your manager and your leader about taking that time so you can have some reflection because you can't do it in a weekend. You can't do it in a day. It's probably something that's going to take multiple weeks. And again, I think now is still a really good time to have that conversation because things like mental health in the workplace, work-life balance are very hot topics in our industry right now. So now is a great time to have that conversation with your team and your leadership about how do you carve off enough time to really think about how you're going to approach that in kind of the next phase of your career. 
Thank you. That's a very good tip for, for our listeners. If you haven't had that conversation, maybe you should talk about it. Even if you don't have like an urgent problem that you need to solve where you are working 12 hours a day, perhaps you can still talk about it and maybe discover that you are on the same page entirely or discover that there might be some things that you disagree on. Yeah, and that, I will say that that's, that's super important to call out because you actually don't want to have that conversation at the time where you're working 12 hours a day and everything's on fire because your mindset is different, right? Your mindset is different than if you're, you're looking ahead and you kind of have the awareness to say, I see things are kind of coming off the rails here, right? Maybe I'm not sleeping as much as I used to. Maybe I'm feeling a little bit more lethargic. Maybe I'm a little bit more snappy with my family or my coworkers, right? Those are leading indicators that usually mean something's up with an individual, right? And that's when you want to start kind of being aware and having the conversations about it versus, as you mentioned, you're already in it, everything's on fire, you're totally burnt out, because then at that point, you're, you're probably less looking to solve the challenge for the long term. And you're more just like, get me out of this, I can't deal with it right now, pull the shoot, I need some time away, when realistically, the best time to do it is I see this is happening. And I, I see where it could be something that's going to continue to be a challenge for me. And I want to get ahead of it now and start planning for it, and be a little bit more strategic around how I plan around that work life awareness. Right, exactly. Thank you. And I feel like when you have the conversation, when you're already like in the burning house, you don't really have leverage to kind of make the ship go your way, if that makes sense as a, mm -hmm. as a metaphor. Mm -hmm. Since we've gotten into some of the signs of not keeping uh, the balance uh, properly, can you maybe enlighten us? I feel it's it's easier when you are in an offline environment to to see how someone interacts throughout the day when you are at, at an office together and kind of pinpoint, you know, like you don't really seem to be on today. But um, what are some of the tips that you can give us to kind of notice those changes around ourselves or on ourselves? in an online environment sure yeah it's it's trickier much harder but it can be done and truly the way that i think for that to be successful is you really have to know your team your staff your directs your employees very well to understand what their baseline is right to understand how they operate when they're in a good space right and that's tricky to do because a lot of us haven't been in a good space for a couple of years now but finding a way that you can at least get to know your employees and to know your teams well enough that when there's a deviance in behavior or there's changes in how they approach their work, you understand that that's a little bit different, right? And again, it's, is there video on, video off? When you are on a video, you know, do you see expressions in their face? Do they look excited about what they're talking about? Is, is it kind of more kind of just going through the motions? How quickly are they responding to your emails, to your Slack? Are they setting expectations? Are they excited about their work, right? There's a bunch of things there that may not lead to someone either being burnt out or challenged with this. But it's indicators that you as a leader have to go and sniff out and go and figure out. You can't ignore them, right? So being able to understand some of those cues in a virtual environment um, is important. But again, it takes time. It takes time to know your people. It takes time to know your employees. And then it takes time for you to understand the, understand the variance in which they might be showing some of those behaviors, right? So that's that's one area where you can kind of focus your energy. The second bit around just trusting your employees and knowing your employees really well is... You really win 
if they come to you, right? If you've been able to build enough trust with your team, with your employees and with your staff that when they are aware of challenges that they're having in their work-life balance with their work-life awareness, and they feel comfortable and have the psychological safety to come to you and say, hey, I, I think something's up here. I'm having some challenges and I want to work through them with you. That's when everybody wins, right? Because one, they are able to kind of share with their leader. And then two, you know, you know that you built the trust enough with that employee that they're willing to share some kind of personal stuff that they want to get your help with on, right? So um, it's not easy. It requires work. And I think, you know, if anything, this pandemic and, and us going to a full virtual environment for the past few years, for me, has really required engineering leaders and technical leaders to double down on the people side of things just as much as the technical and operations side of their roles, right? Because at the end of the day, it's the people that are going to get you to meet your, your product goals or your company goals. And for any engineering leader that wasn't focusing on that prior to the pandemic, I hope that they're really focusing on it now because it is, it is very important. And what I've found as, as a leader is if you are transparent about your own challenges around that part of life, then, then I've, I've found that people gravitate towards you and share those ideas with you, right? And, you know, I've had team members that have come to me and, and said, hey, because of this conversation you had in a team meeting where you talked about, you know, the struggles that you're going through, I'm coming to you to say that I'm also going through those struggles as well. And I'd like to collaborate with you on how, how they can, how we can work on them together, right? So I think as much as you want to try to sense it as a leader, I think equally, if you set an expectation and create the transparency on how you're dealing with it, it'll almost act like a magnet and folks will come to you and actually share to you, right? And then you don't have to sense it at all because they're coming to you. And, and that's really what you want because that shows that they're trusting of you and that they want to get your help and collaborate with you on, on working on these challenges together. In a space where you're spending time with folks, body language is huge, right? You can tell if someone's you know, coming into work and looking lethargic, maybe moving a little bit slowly, maybe they're in 10 to 15 minutes later each day, or they're not, not you know, looking as engaged as, um, as they would be, right? Those are all telltale signs that, you know, they're either facing some level of burnout, some level of disengagement that could be caused by not having that awareness and that understanding of how they're, they're balancing their life. That doesn't translate that well into, uh, you know, a video call or, or a distributed team, but you can pick up on things, right? Right. I, I think it's so important to point out that we are all working with people and we are all working for people, whether or not you're making software, it's going to be used by people. Mm -hmm. With that said, I think that's like a really nice um, scenario when you're an engineering leader and your direct report comes to you and says, you know, like I'm having some trouble and you kind of figure it out together. You go from there. But let me ask you if you, if you are an engineering leader, you kind of notice some signs on a direct report that you have, what do you do? What, what are a couple strategies or approaches that you can share with us and that have worked for you in the past? Yeah, that, that's a tough one, right? That's how do you approach that next step? And again, it's going to be totally dependent on your style as a leader and also how well you know that employee, right? They could be just having a rough week for whatever reason and it'll pass. It could be the sign of something bigger. It could be just who they are and you're still getting to kind of know them, right? And so all those variables kind of come into play when you start to kind of have that sniff test, right? I think it, it also depends on if you have a long tenure with 
the people within your organization or if you're relatively new. For So for myself, for example, I moved into a new role earlier this year at Salesforce and there's some people in my team now that I've known for a long time and there's some people that I just met this year, right? And so part of it for me is building the trust with the folks that I just kind of met this year so that I can have those frank conversations and, and go into a one-on-one and be like, look, not elephant, kind of elephant in the room thing here. I'm worried about you, right? Like I want to help here, but I've noticed these behaviors, right? And I feel confident having that conversation with you because I, I want to see you be successful, right? So again, I think that's the real win. Like if you can get yourself into a space where you can just jump on a call with somebody and just be real and cut the crap and just talk through it and say, hey, I'm observing something, right? And they might come back to you and say, yeah, you know what, you're right. Um, or they might say, no, like, again, I'm just having a rough week or I'm struggling with this problem. I'm actually really good but I'm just struggling with this problem and it's, and it's, and it's manifesting in various ways. Right. So again, being able to get to the point where you can get with your employees to be able to have that conversation is key. Right. Leading up to that though, you kind of have to navigate it a little bit more and probably spend a little bit more time just observing, right? Like how active are they in instant messaging and on Slack again, how quickly are they responding to their emails? How much passion are they showing for their work? Right. And just kind of observing that and maybe not acting on it right away, but observing enough so that you start to kind of get, a trend because if you can get the trend then it's probably time to jump in but if it's a bump and then it kind of you know it's not something you observe as a trend then maybe it was just a one-off you could still have that conversation but it might just be a one-off um the other thing i would i would recommend too is um as an engineering leader as a technical leader leveraging the other leaders within your organization to talk about this kind of stuff one because i think it's important for other leaders to talk about how they're approaching these types of challenges both with themselves and with their employees but also, depending on the size of your org and how cross-functional it is, you might actually have other observations from other leaders within your organization that say, hey, yeah, you know what? I'm glad you brought this up because in another meeting where I saw one of your employees in that you weren't in, I kind of got a similar vibe, right? So let's maybe talk through that, right? So I think finding ways that leaders within an organization can not only have a focus on their directs and their orgs, but then also foster a culture where they're keeping an eye out for each other's teams as well, that's a great place to be, right? It's a great place to be because now you have allies in your engineering leadership group that can talk through some of the challenges that your employees are facing and then share ideas on how to address them based on their personality types. Awesome. Thank you. So let's go ahead and jump into how to help your direct reports to achieve work-life awareness. What are some of the strategies that an engineering leader can take and say, this is what you should do, or this is what you shouldn't do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The first one, you have to do this. If you don't do this, it's never going to work is you have to model the behavior yourself, right? You have to be able to model that behavior and that awareness yourself and put your oxygen mask on for the lack of a better term <laughs> to be able to manage that. Right? Because if you don't, and you don't have that awareness, and then you try to talk about it with your teams and encourage them to do it, the first thing they're going to say is, well, why aren't you doing it, right? And if you bring an answer, well, I'm a leader, and it doesn't really apply to me, and my role is always busy, and it's just the way it is, right? Personally, I don't think that's good enough, right? So before you have any conversation with your teams or talk through your teams about this, you have to start thinking about how you're going to model that behavior yourself and set an example for your team and the rest of the organization, right? So that's your primary focus, right? Now, 
you don't have to be perfect at it. You don't have to be in this amazing Zen space where you have work-life harmony, work-life balance, work-life awareness. And I think quite frankly, it's, it's a fallacy if anybody does have that because nobody does. I don't, right? Nobody does in this world, right? It's constantly being challenged, but to show that you're actually going through the activity and working on it yourself is a great way to build trust with your teams, but then also show that it's important to you and that will then trickle down to your employees as you start having conversations with them about it. One of the things that we've done, and I've seen people do within our organization, I personally haven't done this. Um, we built out what's called like a wellness operating model for each individual. So it's kind of a document that that kind of talks about like an individual, how they like to work, what are their preferred working times, what do they like to do outside of work? What are things that, you know, they might say, take, you know, an hour or two off on a Wednesday and go do, maybe it's, they go to the gym, maybe it's, you know, they go pick their kids up from school or whatever. Right. And kind of codifying that. So it's kind of like a working agreement between them and their team or them and their manager, but isn't primarily focused on the work that they're doing. It's how they work and then how that relates to their wellness and their personal life. Right. So I've seen that be, be really successful as well. Tell me more about the wellness document. Sure. Um, is it something that is created between a direct report and the manager, or is it something that the team creates together and kind of everybody chips in? Sure. Or how how should we picture the it, making of this document? Sure. It's a, it's a, it is a um, relatively personal document, so it really is something that I would expect an employee to kind of drive and lead with collaboration from their manager, because that's really the important relationship to kind of nail down in terms of understanding the boundaries there, right? And like we talked about earlier in the call about boundaries and when to flex, right? That's a good thing to lie at, lay out. Here are my boundaries. Here's the ones that I absolutely can flex. Here are the ones that if I do flex, I'm going to need to find a way to augment that a little bit, right? So it is a document, a conversation normally that is between a manager and employee. Having said that, there is value, again, depending on the culture of your team and sharing that with your peers as well to share ideas and understand how folks might want to work together without that relationship between an employee and a manager, right? So employee to employee, they understand the best way to work with someone and what prioritizes their well-being and what they focus on with well-being too. So not every team has that culture, right? I think if you were able to build a team that has a culture where those wellness models are shared amongst the team, that's a great culture to be a part of, right? But not every culture is going to kind of be like that, right? So again, it is it is one way to do it. Some feedback I've seen on processes like that is it's, well, it's too mechanical and then you start writing it down and then it becomes operational, right? But at the end of the day, that is an avenue you can try and give it a shot. And if it doesn't work, then you, know, you can always try something else. With that said, we are in the tech industry and it's really awesome to be able to talk about work-life balance and to be able to talk about you know like making our lives full and enjoyable but I think many of us feel like the fact of the matter is that sometimes you have to put in extra hours and uh, perhaps for elongated periods of time you have to put in extra hours What's your point of view on that? Um, what do you think um, it does to employee well-being and how would you kind of tackle that challenge? Yeah. So again, it, you know, building that awareness of when that happens is super important and not feeling like as an individual or as a leader that you have to succumb to the fact that the demands are there, right? Like they're always going to be there in our industry, right? If you're in a, if you're in a tech job 
where the demands aren't you know pushing you that in my opinion that's a sign of okay is, is this the right role for me or is this am i actually bringing value to my customers right so the demand's always going to be there right so one being aware that you know, for 90% of us, 95% of us, you're always going to have those demands. It's always going to be there. No matter what you do, you're going to, there's always more work to be done, right? The, the perspective that, um, that I, that I've kind of had on that awareness is if you, if you need to stretch in certain times, you kind of need to counterbalance that in other times, right? So, so one, if I, the next three days, I know are going to be crazy for me for work. I'm going to have to work some evenings, we're at the end of a project, you know, Ideally, I would have seen that a couple of weeks ago with proper planning and forecasting to say, ah, like, okay, I know that it's going to be some crunch time at the end of this project or at the end of this deadline. So guess what? Next week, I'm taking Thursday, Friday off, and I'm going to spend some time with my family, right? And counterbalancing that and giving me something to kind of look forward to, to be like, yeah, this is going to be tough. I've told my family, told my team, you know, we're going to go through it for a little bit, but I'm going to counterbalance that with some some awesome time off a week or two down the line. And you got to hold yourself accountable to that because I've often seen people say, yeah, I'll take the time next week. And the next week happens and it's another fire, right? So you've got to be diligent. You really have to focus on that. If you're going to counterbalance that with something, whether it is time off, whether it is, you know, a vacation or treating yourself to something that you actually keep to doing it and and you realize that you just have to do it right so so that's that's one area the other area too is you know time away from work isn't always what people need it's important but some people are like well i'd, I'd rather i'd appreciate some recognition or you know some compensation or something like that right so it's really understanding what drives your employees right um if you have employees that you know feed off recognition then they might not benefit from a couple of days off but they might benefit from a real awesome note to your svp about what they did to make that deadline right so it's really important to know your employees know what drives them know how they like to be recognized know what they need and so that when times get tough and you have to strike that balance that you can help them counterbalance that with something that they really enjoy or that they really appreciate right it kind of almost sounds like a lot of um, work-life balance or work-life awareness, as you put it, is self-awareness and really figuring out what an individual is okay with. And as you put it perfectly in the beginning, it's different for everyone. But as we talk more and more, it just seems like there is even more nuance to it than I had previously imagined. Yeah. So with that said, what is some of your personal strategies, if you care to share, to have your work-life balance and to keep it secure and to maybe have your boundaries respected? Sure, sure. Um, one thing that I've found to be really successful here for myself is to have a routine that you can stick to pretty regularly the chaos of software engineering and the technical leadership roles that we're in really can benefit from having some real structure. So making sure you're owning your calendar really well, right? I like to tell a lot of my people on, on my teams, own your calendar before it owns you. You know, at a 70,000 plus person organization, your calendar can own you pretty quickly, right? So make sure that you're focusing on structured calendar, giving yourself some good blocks of time for downtime, right? So for example, like I block an hour off for lunch every day. 
It gives me time to get a break, get some food, reassess and see how the second part of my day is going to go. If someone needs to meet at lunch, I'll meet with them. That's totally fine. If someone needs to meet on my lunch every day of the week, that's a problem. I'm aware of that and I need to reassess that, right? So giving yourself some time there. I'm a big believer in practicing mindfulness meditation once a day will really help kind of ground you. So every morning, first thing I do is, uh, you know, pop in headspace and take 10 minutes for myself and just reflect a little bit, right? And that grounds me throughout the day, right? So I'm a big proponent of that. And you don't need a, you don't need an app, you know, you don't need to be an expert at mindfulness meditation. You just need to take 10 minutes out of your day to focus on yourself. And the last thing I'll say is, is it's important to move your body. It's important to get exercise. Go for a walk. It doesn't have to be a run. It doesn't have to be lifting 400 pounds at the gym, right? Get your body moving, move how you can, get the blood flowing, right? Particularly when you're at a desk job and you're stuck to a computer all day, it's important to counterbalance that with some physical activity to get your endorphins going and just, you know, keep your body in tip-top shape so it's ready to go for the long haul as we all are in this tech industry. Right. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. We have a question here that we haven't addressed very much. What happens with anyone if they... We have talked about the, the signs of uh, the, the balance not being met. We have talked about addressing it. But, but what happens to employee well-being if they are really working hard, but they still can't reach their deadlines and perhaps someone has already addressed it to them? How do you suggest that our leaders listening to this would come to this situation? Yeah, that's a tough one. I think if you're a leader and you feel that you've invested enough in that employee and it's gotten to a point where the needs aren't being met, that's when, you know, obviously things like, you know, performance conversations need to come in. But also even before that, I would say honest conversations with them about, hey, here's some data that I have. Here's some feedback that I have on how things are going Tell me a little bit about your perspective on how it's going and then trying to kind of come to some alignment of if it's not working, digging into it, why, right? And that, affording an employee that conversation before you go and say, it's time for a performance improvement plan. I'm going to our employee success team. Let's make it happen, right? But again, like that requires you to really invest in your employees and invest in your team, right? So as a leader, you have to make that call. If you see somebody struggling with either their work or work-life balance, and you really haven't taken the time to support them and help them or guide them, or at least give them some resources that they can go and figure it out on their own, then it's quite frankly, it's not fair for you to go and then say, okay, enough is enough, right? So, you know, for better or worse, as leaders in, in this industry, Yes, we're working with technology. Yes, we're building with software. But as you mentioned, people are at the heart of it. You have to be comfortable digging in with people and understanding them and coaching them and supporting them. And that has to be a key part of your role. Because if it isn't, then you're going to fail as a technical leader because you're not going to have a successful set of you know human beings that are, are building great software for you. Right. So again, I go back to that understanding yourself, understanding your own work-life awareness, and then being able to kind of bring that to your team and having some deep conversations with them about it. Thank you so much. I think we have covered a lot of ground and um, there are some great takeaways there about boundaries and keeping them and paying attention to yourself and being paying attention to those around you, not even only your direct reports, but to kind of everyone in the organization who you interact with and just being really honest with the conversations that you have. I think that's a great one. It's also perhaps the hardest one to 
measure and and to come to terms with if you feel like there is some kind of a disconnect. Is there anything else that you'd like to add within the topic? You're going to have ups and downs. This isn't a linear thing, right? You're not going to put effort into your own work-life awareness or work-life balance and see it change quickly or see it change linearly as you continue to grow in this industry. So something that I always struggle with is as I continue to invest in myself and my growth and my team's growth, when I hit a bump, I go, oh, like, oh, I hit a bump. Why? I'm putting so much work into this, right? When realistically, you will come out of that bump, right? You will come out of that pit. So as you're continuing to invest in yourself, invest in your work-life balance, your work-life awareness, and invest in your teams, realize that it is something that's going to pay dividends long-term, but it's something that's going to have its ups and downs. And you just have to stick with it because, you know, it's going to increase your longevity in this industry. Thank you. Thank you so much. With that said... Dearest watchers and listeners, today my guest was Dylan Hansen, and he's the Senior Director of Engineering Enablement and Engagement at Salesforce. And we had a really awesome conversation again about work-life balance. And I think there are some great takeaways here. So before I let you go, I would like to ask you about your online presence where can our listeners follow your work sure yeah so i have a personal website it's at dylanhansen.ca i blog about well-being i blog about music i blog about my family i blog about the industry so you can find me there uh, i'm also on twitter at dilly h d-i-l-l-y-h you'll see a lot of stuff there that comes out of our uh the work that we're doing here at salesforce and you can also find me on linkedin as well if you search for dylan hansen thank you Thank you so much. And thank you so much for this great conversation. I feel like we are all a lot more armed to tackle this big question of work-life awareness. And perhaps we will be a little more aware of ourselves and um, assess what we need from our employer or from our partner to be in a better situation. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Dearest listeners. Thanks for staying with Level Up Engineering. I am Karolina Toth, and I hope to see you next time. Thanks for staying with us. This was the Level Up Engineering Podcast by Apex Lab. Check them out at apexlab.io. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel, rate our content, and share your thoughts on this episode. See you next time. See you next time.